What I have to share with you is a little bit different in terms of format tonight. It's less a sermon and more uh, a presentation. And I'm going to be borrowing some material that we've covered in our crazy busy class on Wednesday night. We've had two classes going on Wednesday nights over the last quarter. Terry Bradford has been teaching on Revelation in this room, and I've been doing a class down the hallway called Crazy Busy that is based on a book of the same name. We've had anywhere from 35 to 55 in my class and a bigger crowd in here. Um, And I, I wanted to share this with you tonight because, number one, I think it's very good. A lot of what I will share does come from the book with some of my own thoughts sprinkled in. Um, with my apologies to those of you who are in my class and have already heard this, this is kind of a sorry, not sorry. I'm sorry that you get a, a, a repeat of this, but then again, what we're going to be sharing tonight bears repeating. Uh, we need, I think, this reminder um, regularly what, what's going to be shared tonight. And for the benefit of those of you who have not been in my class, uh, I think what is on the docket tonight is, is beneficial to us all. By the way, those classes are going to extend through this month, uh, through the end of December, and then we'll start with some new classes or a new class uh, at the start of 2020 in January. So what I want to share tonight, uh, I'll, share, I'll begin by quoting the author of this book that we've been studying from. We Christians understand deep down that the problem of busyness is not just with our schedules or with the world's complexity. Something is not right with us. The disorder of daily life is a product of disorder in the innermost places of the heart. Now we got a pretty good crew here tonight. And a lot of you may feel like your lives are pretty busy, that you're moving at a breakneck speed, that your calendars are full. We also may have people here tonight who maybe the older crowd, you are retired and your life has slowed down considerably and you don't feel all that busy. But I think for most of us, this, regardless of who you are, this is a busy time of year. Our calendars fill up. We've got a lot to do. It can be a stressful time of year, uh, de- depending on you know, what you've got going. And in our class, we've talked about a lot of practical solutions to the busyness epidemic, to the busyness problem in our culture. But in this particular lesson, we wanted to declare that this is not just a problem with our schedule. This is not just a problem with our world, that we are prone to filling up our plates a little too full because of a problem with us. Because of, as the author says, a disorder in the innermost places of the heart. Our understanding of busyness must start with the one sin that begets so many of our other sins, and that sin is pride. Pride is what we're talking about tonight. And in particular, how pride can contribute to busyness, uh, too much busyness, or the wrong kind of busyness in our lives. Pride is subtle and shape-shifting, it is sneaky, it is difficult to detect within ourselves. There is more of it at work in our hearts, the author says, than we know. More of it pulsing through our busyness than we realize. Pride 
It's known by some as the mother sin. The one that is at the root of all other sins. The one that produces all other sins. If humility, which I view as the opposite of pride, is understanding your proper place in the world. If humility is understanding who you are in relation to your God. I once heard someone say, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Regarding yourself less. If humility is that, then pride is thinking too highly of yourself. It's thinking of yourself too much. It's misunderstanding your proper place in the world, your place in relation to your God. I think about what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and what? The pride of life. That stuff is not from the Father. It is from the world. And it trips us up. Pride in that list. Pride can manifest itself on an institutional level. Pride can manifest itself among groups, even among congregations. Did you know that congregations of the Lord's church can become prideful collectively? That congregations can be focused more on what they might be doing than on what the Lord is doing through them? That we can become proud of certain programs or certain aspects of congregational life, and it's not about giving God the glory, it's about patting ourselves on the back. I know some congregations that are exceptionally proud of being very conservative. Uh, they're, they're proud that they're not like all the other congregations that are going astray. And they can sometimes brag about, <clears throat> you know, I'm so glad that we're still, you know, sound, one of the only sound congregations in the area. And they can become prideful about being conservative. Other congregations can become prideful about being progressive. I'm glad we've put those old ways behind us. I'm glad we're not thinking backwardly like you know the others in our fellowship. You hear these kinds of statements out, out and about. And it's not about pleasing God and it's not about trying to be biblical. It's about a sense of pride in congregational identity. So pride can even manifest itself collectively. Tonight what I want us to do is... <clears throat> talk about in this book that we're studying, there are seven diagnoses of our busy sickness. And diagnosis number one is what I want to share with you. Diagnosis number one is, and it's number one for a reason, you are beset with many manifestations of pride. It is pride in your heart that is keeping you on the go, that is causing you to embrace an unhealthy sense of busyness in your life. And what I'm going to do tonight is follow the outline of this chapter in the book. I want us to consider these various forms of pride because as we said earlier, pride is tricky. It's sneaky. <clears throat> it takes on many different forms. It's shape-shifting. And conveniently, all these forms start with the letter P. And you know, as a preacher, I love that. As a preacher, it's just in my blood to love alliteration. Points that all begin with the same letter. So tonight, it brings me great pleasure to tell you that all of these points begin with the same letter, the letter P. Could I ask someone to just go get a little cup and fill it? Alex, we, <laughs> Alex was already on his feet. What a good friend. 
could you just fill up a cup with water for me? My throat is very scratchy. And, you know, y'all don't want me to cut this thing short tonight, do you? Nobody wants me to go short. You want me to, to say everything I came prepared to say, so I don't want to disappoint you. Uh, the first manifestation of pride I want us to talk about is this, people-pleasing. People-pleasing. The author of this book says, much of our busyness comes down to wanting people to like us and fearing their disapproval that we take on too much in our lives, that we take on too many tasks because we are afraid of disappointing people. Boy, I can relate to that. I consider myself to be a people pleaser. I don't like to disappoint people. I like everyone to be happy with me and with who I am and with the job that I'm doing. I want everybody to be pleased. Sometimes that can get us in trouble. If we want to please everybody, then we are at their will uh, our, our time is at their disposal, and uh, we're sort of surrendering ourselves to their expectations, and, and we can stretch ourselves pretty thin doing that. The author says, you may have a reputation for being the nicest person in the world because the operating principle in your heart is to have a reputation for being the nicest person in the world. In other words, you are nice, thank you, <laughs> thank you, you are nice uh, not because you have a kind heart, but just because you want to be known as the nice guy. And that is not coming from a good biblical motivation. That is coming from a place of pride. But you see how sneaky pride can be in our hearts. The author says not only is that a manifestation of pride and therefore a sin, it also makes our lives miserable. And it usually hurts those who are closest to us. Because when we're seeking to please everybody, then who gets the shaft? It's the ones that we've already made commitments to. It's our closest family and friends. And their docked time that they need from us because we're out trying to please everybody else because of our own sense of pride. So this is one shape, one form of pride in our lives that we need to be on the lookout for. How about this one? Pats on the back. Now this is similar to people pleasing, except it's less motivated by fear of disappointing people than by a desire for glory. You want to be known as someone great. You want to be admired. You want to be, you know, someone everybody looks up to. You're someone who lives for praise. You want to be everybody's hero except maybe the people who are closest to you who get your leftovers because you're out trying to be everybody else's hero. You desire glory. You, you want people to speak in glowing terms about you and about all the great things that you do out in the world, out in your community. But it's not about serving others. It's not about bringing God glory. It's about getting pats on the back. And we need to remind ourselves there is only one who deserves glory, and it's not me, and it's not you. It's our God and Father in heaven. But this, is, this is a sneaky manifestation of pride that uh, we should be watchful for. Number three, performance evaluation. How about this? And what I mean by that is we tend to overrate our own performance evaluation. 
Our self-esteem culture has given us an inflated view of ourselves. We think that we are better at what we do than we really are. Uh, the author says, because we regard, regard ourselves so highly, we overestimate our importance. We assume, if I don't do this, no one will. Everything depends on me. Now, sometimes it's good to have the attitude, hey, if I don't do this, uh, you know, who else will? That can be a good thing, because that keeps us serving. Uh, we can... You know, it can be a cop-out to say somebody else will take care of that. But on occasion, um, this can be unhealthy. To have this view that, hey, if I don't do this particular thing, nobody else is going to do it. This whole operation depends on me. The entire load is on my shoulders. What we need to be reminded of is we are unique. Our gifts are important. People love us but we are not irreplaceable. God has been working in this world and through His kingdom and in His church long before we got here. And if He delays the coming of His Son and our Savior Jesus Christ for a thousand more years, that work will continue long after we're gone. Yes, we have been endowed with certain gifts and talents from God above. Yes, God expects us to use those in His service. Yes, He loves us and we are loved by others. Our gifts are important, but we are not irreplaceable. Eugene Peterson writes this, and I really love this quote. If you cannot afford to take one day a week for rest, then you are taking yourself far too seriously. You think that you are more indispensable than you really are. You need to take a breather. Take some time off, and that can be very good to remind you that, you know, the world keeps spinning with you out of the picture. It's good for me to be gone for a while and to come back and for people to say, you know what, everything was just fine without you here. Now, the prideful part of me wants to come back and say, you know what, everything fell apart when you were gone. And please don't ever leave again. And we love you and you do a great job and we need you here. I, I like that's the sinful side of me. That's the fleshly side of me. I want my ego to be stroked. I want to be missed. But then the other side of me, I am glad to hear when people say, you know what, everything was just fine without you here. We all need to get away sometimes so that we can be reminded that the world keeps spinning, that things keep functioning without us. And so... Performance evaluation, our own performance evaluation is a manifestation of pride. How about possessions? We can take great possessions in our material items. Uh, we can take great pride in the stuff that we have accumulated. Jesus speaks to this problem best with this incisive question that I've got up on the screen from Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Is that really going to be worth it? To gain the whole world? To get everything that you ever wanted and yet lose the thing that actually is invaluable? The thing about you that is everlasting? 
your soul? It's going to be worth that. And yet, we, especially in this country, take great pride in our houses and in all our furnishings and in our cars and our jewelry and all of our toys. I'm speaking to adults as well as kids. All the play things that we enjoy, take great pride in those things. Possessions can be a source of pride. Possessions can keep us really busy, needlessly busy, because the more you have, the more you got to maintain, and, and the more you have, the more you want, and that means you got to work harder for more stuff, and that keeps you busy. So you see this cycle, how it continues. How about this one? Proving myself. Some of us cannot rest because we are still trying to prove something to someone. Still trying to make a point that we're worth something to someone. And in some cases, that someone hasn't even been living. Maybe for years. A father, a a mother, a coach, a teacher, another relative. We are attempting to prove ourselves to someone who is not even any longer with us. Ambition in the kingdom of God is okay if we are ambitious for His glory, but not you know, to just prove our worth to someone else. How about this? Pity. Now, I want to quote this entire section from the book because it's very good. The author says, let's face it, people feel sorry for us when we're busy. And if we get our lives under control, we won't seem nearly so impressive. And people won't ooh and ah over our burdens. Many of us feel proud to be so busy. And we enjoy the sympathy we receive for enduring such heroic responsibilities. Yes, we complain about being busy, but we love the attention that we get when we do. And so, because we love that, we, we don't want to have less to do because then we won't have everyone saying how impressed they are with us for staying busy all the time. People are not going to ooh and ah over all that we've got going on in our lives. And so, we become sort of addicted to this pity that we receive from people. We like it. We like it. We're hungry for it. We're proud to be busy and we enjoy the sympathy that comes along with that. And it's all rooted in pride. How about this? Poor planning. Sometimes the best plan is letting someone help you or delegating some responsibilities to others. Sometimes we would help ourselves a great deal if we gave something a little more forethought and if we didn't try to do it all by ourselves. If we thought about it ahead of time and recruited and enlisted others to come alongside us and assist us, then we wouldn't feel so burdened and bogged down with what we've got to do. But sometimes pride prevents us from doing that. We think people will think that I'm lazy if I ask for help. They'll think that I'm not working hard enough. They'll think that I'm trying to skirt responsibility. They'll think, oh, that's your job. Why are you asking me to help you do your job? Well, that's going to be a vicious cycle. And that's going to continue to create needless busyness in our lives, and it's pride that keeps us sometimes from asking for help from others. What about power? I need to stay busy because I need to stay in control. I need to stay at the center of 
the operation. And if I let someone do something, then they might try to infringe upon my power. And I need to maintain my power over this group or this company or this project. And so I don't want to let anybody else in because that means that some of my power might slip away. How about perfectionism? Some of us have this problem. I can't let up because I cannot make a mistake. Everything's got to be so, so. It's got to be perfect. What about position? I do too much because that's what people like me are supposed to do. That's what other people who are in my position elsewhere, that's what they do. That's how they live. And if I am to be the very best that I can be in what I'm doing, I've got to do what they're doing, which is they never stop. They never slow down. They're working all the time, so that's what I've got to be doing. Because that's what people like me do. That's what people in my position do. It's a lie. And it comes from pride. How about prestige? As you can see, there, there is a good bit of overlap between some of these. This says, if I keep pushing myself, I'll finally be somebody. I'll finally matter. I'll finally arrive. If I could just get there, wherever there is. And I'm on my way there, but I can't slow down. And I can't, I can't not do what I'm doing because I'm going to get there someday. That's a lie that there's ever going to be a destination for you in whatever you're trying to accomplish. Even if you could be known the world over, what does it matter if you have no time to be known by God? And that harkens back to our sermon this morning. How we should desire to be known by God so that that knowledge can change us, can transform us. One more. How about Posting. And what I mean by this one is posting on social media. So I know that this will not apply to everybody because many of you have sworn off Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and good for you. I want to give you a pat on the back. <laughs> You're missing out on a, a lot of junk out there. Great uses for social media platforms. And those of us who are Christians who use these ought to aim to use them in God-glorifying ways, in ways that build others up. And so many of you do that. So many of you I see commenting on people asking for prayers, or people who've lost a loved one, and you're there with an encouraging comment trying to lift somebody up. That's, that's how we should be operating on those, on those platforms. But there is a temptation to post out of pride. The author says this, if we're honest, pride lies behind much of the social media revolution. He says, I've often had to ask myself, why am I blogging? Why am I tweeting? Is it for my name and my fame? It doesn't matter how big or small our following, we can turn Facebook and Twitter into outposts for our glory. I love that. We can turn those platforms, our social media accounts, into outposts for our glory. And I've had to ask myself that many, on many occasions. Why, why, do I, why am I sharing this? Why do I feel compelled to share this? Is this really because I think what I have to say or a picture I want to post is going to encourage someone else? It's going to lift someone else up? Or is it from a sense of pride? Uh, is it because I want people to like 
that post because of my own insecurity or because I'm trying to derive some sort of value or worth out of that. We need to ask ourselves these kinds of tough questions. We need to try our very best to discern the pride that can sneak into our hearts, that can manifest itself there. Uh, Because it is very, very subtle in our lives. Why is it that we post? Um, The author says we can also fear what people will think when we take a break. I can never take a break because my, (laughs) my audience will miss me as if, that you know they're hanging on our every word and our every post. You see this? How this works? The author says this. Here's the bottom line: of all the possible problems contributing to our busyness, it's a pretty good bet that one of the most pervasive is pride. It is our own sense of pride that keeps our calendars much too full with all the wrong things, with things that that do not matter in the scope of eternity with things that have no eternal significance. At this point, however, we might be tempted to think that the only way to conquer pride is to retreat from all expectations and responsibilities. To say, okay, I'm going to pull back from everything. I'm going to say no to everyone. I'm, I'm going to cross every good deed and every service project off my calendar because I'm, I'm just going to recede into the background. I'm much too busy, so everything gets a no. We know that's not the answer. You know, that's foolishness. God wants us, in a sense, to be busy serving in His kingdom. Uh, We should be busy doing the right things, of course. The author says this, Taming busyness is not as simple as saying no to everything and refusing to please anyone. A little bit of that is not a bad thing. Wanting to please people, your family, your employer, uh, the people that, you know, you work with and do life with that's not a bad thing a little bit of that the author asks some questions that well these questions remind us that this topic is complicated figuring out pride in our lives and trying to manage our busy schedules these are the questions if i give up 30 minutes to run an errand at my wife's request is that people pleasing or is it just being a good husband now when i presented that in class down the hall i said it's absolutely that absolutely means you're being a good husband if you stop and you know, run an errand for your wife, of course. I'm saying that you know, for her benefit, but I, you know, I also believe that. What about for a friend? What about for a complete stranger? So how do you, how do you manage these, these requests, these questions? If I like to meet other people's expectations, does that make me servile or does it mean I'm a humble servant? Should I take into consideration the favors this friend has done for me when considering the favor he wants me to do for him? Well, I don't know. I I do that whether I think that it's right or not. I think maybe we all do that. Well, what has he done for me lately? What has she done for me? When is it right to sacrifice my comfort or the comfort of those I love so that I can keep my word? If perfectionism is wrong, should I not strive for excellence? Well, I think we all aim to be excellent in our practice of the faith. Are you saying that we shouldn't care about community standards or cultural expectations? Well, no. Because if we don't care about that stuff, then we are far less effective in serving God in our context as we could be. We should care about the culture and expectations around us. We should learn to 
operate and navigate within those things so that we can maximize our effectiveness as servants of God. We shouldn't care too much about those things. If we care too much about those things, then we can become overworked and overbusy. And it might be a sign that pride is at work in our hearts. One more. Is the safest course of action then to simply do what I want and never consider the thoughts of others? No, of course not. Of course not. That's not how we should live our lives. The point is this. Pride is not always easy to detect. It's very difficult. Pride can masquerade as something much more honorable and noble. It can make us think that it's something else that pleases God, when in fact it's the work of the devil. It's very tricky. And not all busyness is the direct result of pride. That should be clear. So, how can you tell when you're busy because of pride and when you're busy serving God and bringing Him glory? How can you tell the difference? Let me share a couple of thoughts here to close out. We ought to pray for wisdom and discernment in understanding our own hearts. That's number one. We ought to ask God for wisdom like Solomon did. What did Solomon knew that he faced an outsized task for his skill set when he became king of God's people. He knew that the job was up here and his capability was down here, and he asked God to close the gap. He said, God said, ask me whatever you, you, you want, and he said, I need wisdom. I need the ability to make good decisions so that I can lead your people well. And what did God give him? He gave him wisdom. And he also gave him a lot more in addition to that. We are promised in the New Testament, in the book of James, that if we, if we sense that we need wisdom, which we should all sense that, that we always need more wisdom, that we should ask of God. And God will provide it. He will give it to us generously. So that's, that's the starting point. As we try to discern the pride within our hearts, we should start by asking God for the wisdom and for the discernment that we so desperately need to navigate the complexities of life. We need to also seek good friends who can help us understand our hearts. That's why church is so important. That's why getting together with Christian brothers and sisters as often as we can is so important. Because we need to surround ourselves with people who can see things within us that we ourselves cannot see. We have blind spots. Some of us have big blind spots. Have you ever thought, that person has a really big blind spot. They do not see themselves the way that most people see them. And then we catch ourselves doing that to a lot of people. And maybe our blind spot is we're too busy looking at other people to see what's the matter with our own hearts. So we need people around us to point out uh, what is wrong within, within our hearts. To reveal to us ways in which we can improve and the pride that so easily besets all of us. And finally, here is a good question. He says, the author, it's a good diagnostic question that we should ask ourselves regularly, and here it is. Am I trying to do good or to make myself look good? Now that question is not going to solve all our problems. 
and it's not going to answer every dilemma that we have about the way we spend our time and the way we arrange our calendars, but it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good question. Am I doing this? Am I saying this? Am I planning this? Am I posting this? Because I really genuinely want to do good. Or am I just wanting to look good? Am I just wanting people to notice me? Am I just wanting a pat on the back? Am I just wanting the admiration that comes with doing good things? Am I wanting to serve others and do good or just make myself look better? The author says it's okay to be busy at times. That's just life. And some of us may be in a a busier season than others. This season is really busy for most, if not all of us. He says it's okay to be busy. It's okay. It's certainly good to be busy serving the Lord. You cannot love and serve others without giving of your time. Sometimes a lot of your time. So he says work hard. Work long. Work often. Love others. Serve their needs. Just remember, it's not supposed to be about you. So in this season of generosity and kindness and goodwill, make sure you are feeding people, not feeding your pride. Now, if pride is a problem for you, I mean, I shouldn't even arrange the question that way. If it absolutely is a problem for me and for you and for all of us, and tonight you want to come and you want to confess that to God and to your brothers and sisters and you want to ask for a special prayer to be led on your behalf, that's why we sing this song twice on Sundays to encourage believers to come. Believers who may be struggling or maybe believers who didn't realize they were struggling until they walked in the door and heard a message from God's Word. This is an opportunity for anyone with a spiritual need to come and to make that known so that that need can be filled so that that wound can be healed. Or if we have someone here tonight, and I know we do, who's not a baptized believer and knows that they need to come and confess Christ and put Him on in baptism, we want to invite you to do that. Won't you come and make that most glorious decision right now as we stand and sing?